0: Jericho
2: baby, Talk is Jericho, Talk is Jericho mama. Talk is me. Alright, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. Today, the new Money in the Bank champion for 2017, Baron Corbin, on the show today. Who gets the best guests in the time list of fashions, right? Come on, man. Baron is carrying that briefcase with him everywhere. You hear all about his plans for cashing it in. We'll also talk about the ladder match victory that got him the briefcase in the first place. Barron's talking about making the transition from NFL offensive lineman for the uh, Arizona Cardinals to joining the WWE main roster. You hear how and why that happened. He's also talking about what kind of help and advice he got from The Undertaker, his relationship with Vince McMahon. He's got a great story about how he found out he was being called up to the WWE main roster and taking part in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal from uh, Triple H. Plus, he lives just down the lake from me, and you'll hear whose house he lives in. Lots of coming up with Baron Corbin, but first, we've got to talk about a certain WWE Hall of Fame, uh, who's had just as much success outside the ring as he did in it, uh, helping people, making people fit, uh, make America fit again. I'm talking about Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga. He's taken his program to the next level, though. He's doing workshops all over the country to give you the chance to do DDP Yoga with DDP himself. Just go to DDP Yoga Workshops com to find out when he'll be in a city near you. In the meantime, and in between time, you can download the DDP Yoga Now app from the App Store or Google Play and do live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia. That's exactly where we did the video for Judas. That's just one of the cool special features of the app. The app's also got nutrition tips, recipes, cooking tips to get you on a healthier eating plan and tools to track your progress. DDP's thought of everything with this app, and the app also lets you do DDP yoga wherever you want, whenever you want. That's what I love about it. I open the app up. I do DDP yoga on the bus in my hotel room, backstage in the dressing room, basically whenever I want to or need to. Uh, Getting ready to go to Japan and Singapore to do a a couple matches with the WWE. Got to limber up with my DDP yoga when I get there. I got a 24-hour flight to Singapore. Yeah, and then two matches with Hideo Itami. You kidding me? I'm going to have to be doing my DDP yoga to keep in shape, and right now, DDP has given you 20% off his killer program. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho to take advantage of the great deal. And DDP Yoga really is more than just a workout program. It's truly a healthier way to live. And like I said, the app lets you do the workouts anytime. Anywhere, right from your smartphone or tablet. So take advantage of the twenty percent off. That's twenty percent off the app and all DDP Yoga related merch at ddpyoga.com dot com slash Jericho. That's yoga dot com slash Jericho for twenty percent off the DDP Yoga Now app. All related merch at yoga dot com slash Jericho, including hats, t shirts, yoga mats, heart monitors, so much more. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. Get the best physical uh, shape that you've ever been in. Get the best mental shape you've ever been in. Do it all right now at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho.
0: Talk is Hawk is Hawk is Jericho.
2: Okay, so we're here uh, in my uh, office with, uh, with Baron Corbin. And the funny thing is, is that you have now inherited kind of the wrestler's house in this area. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm a few houses down from you, and it's got some. Uh, lineage to it yeah because it used to be big show's house yep big show and undertaker bought it from undertaker (laughs) and
2: we were laughing back in the day that big show's like oh yeah he bought undertaker's house just to kind of like you know get on his good side and then he moved here and then left i've only seen him in the house once about 10 years ago
1: yeah he i know he wasn't there very long but you know now i'm in there and, and it was built for a big man. I mean, the house is—it's the 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 roof's like eighteen feet, twenty feet in the living room, and the doorways are twelve feet. So, so it's kind of <laughs> perfect. I mean, Big Show is is a very big human being, so it fits him quite well. But
2: well, it was made with Undertaker as well. Yeah, and, and you're no slouch in that department either. I mean, you're right up there. So. It's actually you're saying like the doorways are bigger and everything. Oh yeah,
1: everything in there is is way <laughs> taller than it should be. Um, my wife can't even reach some of the cabinets because, <laughs> I mean, they're elevated quite a really? bit. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. I
2: wonder if one of these days, if you would be like in you know in a closet or something, you'll find an old box that has like Undertaker's
1: hat in it or something. That that would be amazing. <laughs> like haunted- I mean, it's holding the special powers of the house.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite memory of like I said, she only lived there briefly before he moved but he was uh, getting pulled on a jet ski one day and he had this big giant jet ski obviously cuz he's a big guy but he was he decided he wanted to go tubing and the damn <laughs> tube was going in the water it looked like the loch ness monster was being was being towed because it had this giant wake of water like he got his face cut under the water it was just this big plume <laughs>
1: <laughs> i figured if he crashed there wouldn't be much water left in the lake <laughs> that's right exactly exactly but it's a good time for you got a got
2: a great house and, and of course here you are the uh, money in the bank winner 2017
1: which is a huge deal yeah i mean it, it's an amazing accomplishment just just for my career but um you know i when I was getting ready for it, I heard, did, did you come up with mm-hmm. the Money in the Bank? And Yeah,
2: if you ever heard of a guy called Brian Gewirtz, He used to be a writer in WWE. Now he works for The Rock. He and I came up with the concept for, for Money in the Bank. Whereas, uh, just a quick story, it was, for, it was for WrestleMania, and there was a bunch of guys that had nothing to do with all pretty big names. Kane, Edge, Christian, Benoit. like yeah. uh, Shelton Benjamin, who was getting a push at the time, and they didn't know what to do with us. So they were trying to come up with a bunch of ideas, and then they said, well, maybe like a multi-ladder match, and Brian said, well, there's really nothing to go for. And I said, well, what if we went for a, a, a piece of paper, like a contract, where you would get a title match the next night? So then he went and talked to Vince about it and came back and said, well, Vince loves it, but it's going to be uh, a title match for a year that you can cash it in. And Vince's only uh, demand was that it had to be in a briefcase.
1: That's, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> did, it- did you have to carry it back then like you do now? Like, I have to take it to the airport with me. I have to take it everywhere I go. Um, and it's, you know, a bright blue briefcase. I'm walking <laughs> through the airport, <laughs> you know, usually dressed in all black, and then I've got this bright blue briefcase with me. But is that, made, is that how you guys well, had to I do see, it? I
2: never won it. That's oh, the thing. I Edge
1: won it that year, right?
2: Edge won it that year, and, and, and I think. If he didn't have to, pretty soon afterwards, if you won that briefcase, you had to carry it. Yeah. Because then guys would be putting their like their cell phones in there, their yeah. comic books, you know, whatever it was. But so you have to carry that with
1: you everywhere. Yeah, now it's my second carry-on. It's replacing one of my carry-ons. So um, I actually have to use it uh to carry like my ipad or you know my headphones or whatever i have in my little bag that i take on the planes so now is going to be in the briefcase has that been told to you like you have to what, like what yeah. do they say um they just said it goes everywhere with you and um you know i'd be afraid to put it in my my check bag and be mm-hmm. afraid it'd come up missing so right it doesn't fit in any of the carry-ons i carry on so now it is the carry-on for i guess
2: me. it's just like having a championship like a title yeah, you have to it carry is. with you in your bag or like you know, like the the crazy light up jacket. I don't want to check that. So, so has anybody said anything when you put it through uh,
1: customs? Um, I got I got a pretty good laugh because I've only had it a week now, but I got a pretty good laugh just when I pulled it out of the overhead bin from some people behind me, and they were laughing and they were like "Money in the bank" and it, because it's a huge sticker on on the briefcase. <laughs>
2: it says that on the
1: side in, in, in huge letters, <laughs> and so I mean, there's no way to avoid. Uh, any attention i mean you are the the light-up jacket going through the airport <laughs> now it. carrying that thing because everybody either goes oh well, what's that for or they know or they just if they don't know who you are they think you're the biggest fan in the world walking through the airport so
2: that's what they probably think to her, even if they do know it's like this guy's a mark for himself yeah we get yeah. it we hey know.
1: man he loves the briefcase he's living it <laughs> so how was the how did you how was the match for you and how'd you find
2: out all the, uh, you know that you're gonna get it and all that sort of stuff
1: you know it was it was really cool it was um A fun process. There's a lot of guys with a lot of skill in that match. And I'd never been a part of a ladder match before. Oh, first time. really never even climbed a ladder in a wrestling ring before. And that alone is scary enough. I mean, (laughs) you start going up. It starts wobbling. There's people moving. And, you know, you're 10 feet in the air. And then when you're, you know, up there to take the briefcase off, now you're 12, 14 feet and you have no hands on the ladder. Mm -hmm. You know, you just went 40 minutes in a a grueling war uh, of – you know, trying to be the best, and you're up there. Your legs are shaking. You have no hands on it. It's terrifying. I mean, this flat out is terrifying to to be reaching for that thing, and then you're thinking, okay, don't be that guy that takes five minutes to get it off the hook. Like, <laughs> you know, don't fall off. Like, this is a a big moment. Don't screw yeah. it up. So, like, all those things are going through your head, and uh, it's a sigh of relief when it finally comes off the hook. That's it for is sure. funny
2: that you mentioned that because it's something I think a lot of people don't understand. Is like, okay, so a wrestling ring, it has some give to it. It's not a trampoline that that some people like when you get in. It's very hard, but there is Give. So when you put the ladder in there, it is wobbly. Yeah, it's, very. It's not like you're putting it on solid ground. Yeah,
1: and a few people have probably landed on it or I've used it to hit a few people with. Like Something. it's not in perfect condition right. either. So you're worrying, like, as you're going up, man, I hope nothing breaks. I hope the yeah, leg yeah. doesn't fall out You know, whatever it is. And like you said, when you get that leap of faith when you're just near the top and it's just your legs
2: on there. And I always use my shins to kind of grip the side of the ladder, like I use that for leverage. Because that's it, because you don't have your hands. Yeah. Like even go in your house and try and change a light bulb where you're
1: barely reaching the light bulb with no hands on the ladder it's not it's not it's scary man no and then the the chain is you know 60 70 feet from the ceiling so it's moving as well Mm -hmm. and and if you watch i watched it back because i was like man it felt like forever for me to take that off but i grabbed the chain and for some reason i start leaning backwards and then like i feel the whole chain all the way to the ceiling i'm like that face of oh no I'm going down but then I like <laughs> yeah. swing back yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, kind of yeah. crazy because it's, it's a heavy duty chain so it moves and it will move you when you're just standing on a wobbly ladder it's not something that you train for no you know? not at all you learn how to take a bump or hit the ropes
2: but when they just say you're in a ladder match it's not like there's a tutorial to go through to make sure that you have your balance yeah, at all times yeah you know times. I
1: went back and I like watched some old tapes like was it, was it 2001 the first one I think it was LA which I believe was, was 2005 I mean, 2005 yeah. yeah 21 21 that's it and you know, So you go back and kind of start and just watch what people do and it's it's all these amazing athletes like Sheldon Benjamin and, and guys like Edge and Christian who are used to flying off these things. I mean, you were doing lion salts with a ladder. Like it's... Mm-hmm. I'm 6'8", 275 <laughs> pounds. Like it's, I'm not meant to fly up ladders and jump off ladders. So for me, it was... Uh, I just want to stay grounded as much as possible and use it as a weapon. Rather as you than... should,
2: because Kane was in that match, yeah, too. He That'd was. be more
1: along the lines of what you'd be doing. Yeah, exactly. You know? and uh, I mean, that that was the goal. But then even just kind of when I was there trying to feel it out and walking up the ladder, like I was like, okay, well, when the people are in here, I'm in the moment. It won't be scary. It doesn't change. Maybe it's, it's a, worse. <laughs> it's amazing, though, when you put those together because you get the seven, six
2: guys or seven guys. And it's a long process because there's a lot to do. But once it gets put together it
1: flies by it does you so know fast when we were kind of kind of figuring it out it was like okay you know this should be good 30 minutes in your head and then you know you're laying out there and you're, you're starting to realize oh we're 35 minutes deep we're mm-hmm. 37 minutes deep like, it does it flies by and um, it's just crazy how quick the time goes when you think that oh this is gonna go you know faster or do we have enough to to make it all the way to the end? and then the time's gone, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, man, you know, it, it's crazy just how quickly it goes when you're out there. But
2: it's it's a great feeling, too. Like, I know we, the last one we had last summer, and Kevin was in it and Sammy was in it, and just explaining to the guys, like, yes, you want to have, you know, the kind of the holy shit big bumps, but the most important part of any ladder match is that climb, that slow climb. It is. The wrestling climb. Because that's the drama, and it, that that's all that people – They'll chat, holy shit! But then they'll just go back to who's going to get to the top of the ladder. Yeah, you know? they only
1: care about moves for a few seconds. Right? Like, we, you know, I, I'm a, a big believer in that. That that moves are not what people engage with. Like they say, oh, it's cool. Like you said, it's holy shit. It's it's that moment. But then five seconds later, they're like, well, what's next? So mm-hmm. it's about that story. It's about the drama. It's about teasing that climb. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, really just invoking the emotion of people. I think you know that one of the coolest parts for me, aside from pulling down the briefcase, was you know, everybody's excited to see Nakamura in his entrance. And when I beat him up in the middle of his strobe lights and send him in the back injured, the, uh, the emotion that people let out of, of hatred towards me was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that's those moments you never get back. And it wasn't about doing a triple indie onto something. It was, it was about, you know, making some people truly angry. Cause I took away something they really wanted to see. I mean, that's what it's about. And like you said, that slow climb. They want to see those guys go up. And get it. They wanted to see Nakamura. They wanted to see AJ. You know, walk away from that briefcase. So when they take all that time getting to the top of the ladder, and I pushed it over and went up and took the briefcase, I mean, it's awesome. Like it's, it's a great feeling. It's right? what
2: you do it for. Yeah, exactly. It's like the master of puppets element
1: where you know you got him in the palm of your hand. You know. Yeah, you can feel it. You feel that rumble. Even things where you're just out. You know, laying on the ground. If you take you know a big crash and burn, and you're out there just laying it, but you hear the people rumbling for you to get up. You can't help but. Feel that energy. I mean, it's surreal. There's nothing in the world. I mean, you know, it maybe from being on stage and stuff. But there's nothing in the world like that. You know, instant
2: gratification of the live audience. Yes. You know, let's talk about Nakamura quickly. I mean, what a what a that was a great spot in the match. First of all, the match was tremendous. Great job. It was definitely the best match in the show and really well done all across the board. I love the way Nakamura was booked in that to where. You know, he you kick the shit out of him. He's gone and he yeah. comes back for the you know spirit of seventy six. But well, that was really well done
1: because people really like him. He's special. Yeah, he's got just a special aura about him. There there's something, you know, that he does that just people gravitate towards too. I mean, it's I mean, it's that Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. attitude exactly, of yeah. I mean, I don't even know what it is. You can't really describe what he does, but he's something special and then he's dangerous. I mean, you know, working with him, you can get kicked in the head real quick. He definitely left me with a good shiner from a couple weeks (laughs) ago. You know, so he's he's that rock and roll vibe that, you know, a lot of guys carry and um, something you've made very special. But then, you know, he's elevating it in his way and making it different in his way. But then he can kick your head in. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool for people to see. And when he came back, I think people had forgotten about him in the match. Mm -hmm. I think that the match was compelling enough that they were like, you know, so engaged in what was going on. And when his music hit, that place came unglued. Yeah. Yeah. It came unglued.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal. And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This this is Talk is Jericho. Let's
2: talk about winning the briefcase, though, because, I mean, it's the tradition where now you have a whole year to cash it in. And I think only maybe once or twice in the history of Money in the Bank Somebody that had won it did not
1: yeah, become no, the champion. No pressure there, right? <laughs> I mean, I think Sandow's the only
2: one yeah, that. felt bad for him, man. And-
1: Sooner or later, it has to happen, but he's like, yep, I'm the only one. Well, I think it's because he decorated it with all the fluffy stuff. <laughs> um, he decorated yeah. the briefcase his way. Maybe that didn't help, but right. yeah, no pressure there to, to um, not fail when you cash it in. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's cool because you can do a lot with that. I know Tuesday night, um, I played a little bit of head games with Gender. You know, he was in a match with. Harper and and they were going to battle and you know I walked out and just teased it for a second mm. and the uh, instant reaction from the audience just when that briefcase comes out, they're excited, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen, and then you know, you don't do anything and then mm. they're bummed. Like it's fun. It's a fun thing to kind of throw in people's face and then take away or tease mm. and um, you know, I get to tease people for up to a year doing that, and then you know, find my moment, whether it's SummerSlam or Mania, and you know, there's something I want to find out about. The contract states, you know, a WWE championship. Does that include the raw? Does Mm -hmm. that include just SmackDown? So, I think there's a lot of things that can be done with it. Yeah, and some guys have cashed it
2: in that night. Others have waited, you know, 364 days. So you just never really know. But it's a great vote of
1: confidence from from the company. It is. I mean, you're in the on deck circle, if you Mm -hmm, will. Like, you know, this guy could be our next guy. So it definitely is when you have uh, someone like Vince put something like this in your hand. It's, it's, hey, we believe in in you. We believe in what you're doing, and. We think you can be a star, and, and it's up to me to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely a launching pad for that.
2: But I found that since you came on, like I didn't see much of your stuff in NXT, but since you came onto the main roster, you've gotten a, a like a, a slow push, but always in the upward direction. It seems like right from the start, they kind of had their eyes on you, grooming you to to get to the next step. Yeah,
1: and and that's what you hear is like you know, uh, don't be in a rush, don't be in a hurry. You know, just it's it's a marathon, not a race, and so that that's kind of what I feel like they've done with me is just to continually allow me to grow, continually allow me to kind of branch out, mm-hmm. and it's a very slow process. And I think that's the best thing for me. I think it's the best thing for longevity. Absolutely. You know, if you're if you're at the top day one, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. You want to be here. You know, I want to be here for ten years. I want to have ten WrestleManias right. under my belt and and stuff like that. And I think. The road I'm on now will lead to that, especially with
2: uh, when you're talking about you know the amount of experience that you have. I'm not sure how long have you been working for.
1: Um, you know, I was in NXT for like three and a half years. Okay. And, uh, prior to NXT, I'd been in the wrestling ring maybe one day, and that was just when I found out I got a trial. I go, mm-hmm. man, I need to figure out what these feel like, what the ropes feel like, and um, it's so funny because. I went to a, a school in Arizona that Johnny Stamboli was running. Johnny I, the Bull. Yeah, Johnny yeah. the Bull. And, and I was like, hey, man, I've never been in a ring before. I'm going to WWE for a tryout. And he's like, well, let's just hit the ropes, let you move around. I hit the ropes. And I was like, what are those things made of? Like, <laughs> You know, it was a very uh, rude awakening. That's coming from the NFL. You're like, man, this is... A lot more physical than I expected. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool thing. And then, you know, that process of NXT, it's just it was short three and a half years. So that's what I mean. Yeah. So for- compared to these guys who've been doing it for 10, 12, 14 years, it's, it's a drop in the bucket.
2: It's funny. Uh, I wrote about it in my first book. The first time I hit the ropes, I said I felt like someone hit me in the bread basket with a baseball bat. <laughs> and that's something that people yeah. don't understand. Those ropes are hard as shit when you first hit it them. It left two gigantic
1: bruises <laughs> straight across my back. It was unbelievable. You have to build up a callus yeah, to it. Yeah, you do. And even if you go like, and I'm sure you've you experienced this, going away for two or for a couple months or, or taking mm-hmm. some time. When you come back, you have to do it all over again. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I remember in NXT you would get a Christmas break for like twelve days. Yeah. You come back after twelve days and hit the ropes and go, Is this what they felt like when I left? Like <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I've had a rope shape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but last
2: time you mentioned that you got a tryout and you'd never been in the ring before. How did that how did that happen?
1: So I'd I'd finished playing with Arizona. I got hurt playing against Denver and I, I was just kind of my time to Arizona be done. Cardinals. Yeah. Right. And um I was actually on um rock and roll tour uh, shiprocked have you oh. have you done shiprock
2: yeah, it's, before yeah i haven't done it but it's the one it's of the awesome yeah, yeah
1: it's a cruise and um i was on that oh. shiprock tour uh, with a girl i was dating at the time and let's say it was first um, summer you used to date maria brink yeah in this moment, in this moment yeah. yeah and so band, i yeah. spent a lot of time in that rock and roll world but one of the managers she was talking with asked me what i wanted to do next and i said no I'm, i would love to go to wwe like you know i've watched it uh so you were a, a fan a kid. i was and I, I don't put that out there very often um because it's fun for people to, to say oh he's just a football player like mm-hmm. i like to rub it in their face but you mm-hmm. know I, I grew up with my dad being a huge wrestling fan, he, he loved uh, uh, Kamala, <laughs> which is crazy because Kansas City is a huge territory, but you'd get like you get all the So grew up in Kansas City? Yeah, Kansas City. So you had Harley Race territory mm-hmm. come through there and... Um, you know, you got Flair before he was Flair Famous coming through there. there I mean, yeah. My dad's got flyers from '82, '83, '84, where you know guys like Flair were on the undercard. Mm. Like they were they were not there yet, but you had Kamala headline. Like it was it was cool. So I grew up with it in the house. Was that
2: Mid South or what was that called? Do you recall? Um, I can't remember what the name of the company was because it was. I, uh, it was like Bulldog Bob Brown from Canada was always working down there. Yeah, and those um, guys, yeah. we
1: DiBiase come through. I mean, yeah, it, it was a big I can't territory the name of it, but it was always at Memorial Hall gotcha, in Kansas yeah. City, um, and they ran it all the time. But then you got WCW and WWF coming through, mm-hmm. and I always liked um, just I loved playing football and big guys. When you had like Bam Bam big Low, Big Boss Man, big guys that could move mm-hmm. Vader back then, like those were all all just of them great huge, workers. Huge, huge guys doing things they shouldn't be able to do, and. So that's kind of what pulled me into wrestling, you know, being a football player. Um, it was so cool. Like, I had, you know, Undertaker's gloves and I wore to practice one day when I was a kid. Like, it's it you just, wore his gloves? Yeah, like the purple gloves back <laughs> yeah. then when it scared me. And, uh, it was just kind of a cool thing for me to have play football and watch wrestling with my dad because they kind of went together. They're both mm-hmm. just big dudes, you know, knocking people physical over. Sport, yeah, it's yeah. physical. So, um, you know i was talking with that manager well i know the guy who handles the music for wwe i'll put in a call and uh when we docked on monday he called monday afternoon and wwe called me tuesday afternoon Hmm. and said hey we want to bring you out to fcw for a tryout for a week see if you like it because we've had football players come in before and literally hit the ropes and go not for me (laughs) (laughs) so i came out for a week and um it was a really cool experience, and I thought it was a cool training facility. You know that they had there It was three rings. I mean, it was it wasn't much, but it was, was this the original. It was in Tampa, the original right? one yeah. here on, on Del Mabry, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't much, but it was going to be a cool transformation for me to to switch over and change my body. I, mean, I was three hundred thirty five pounds playing football. Are you kidding me? No, I mean I lost sixty pounds walking in the door. So wow, having to do that when your body's been so big for so long is it's a process to change everything, and then you take a helmet off and you have to learn to convey emotion to an audience where in football hey don't show you're tired don't show you're hurt don't show you're, you know, and you're it's a team too you don't, don't have is. a personality 100%. in football yeah. yeah i mean it's it's one group trying to get something done and now you know coming to WWE there's there's countless guys with crazy personalities mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's definitely a different world but it was a cool transition to go through and then going to NXT when Hunter built us that amazing Performance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's Let's good. talk
2: about the training when you when you first started training. What are the similarities or differences between NFL training and, and and WWE training?
1: I mean, it's crazy how much goes together. I mean, footwork, especially for me, I was an offensive lineman, and now WWE is like your footwork has to be good, or you get hurt. You know, you blow out a knee, break your ankle, all those things can so happen. You know,
2: Balance wise, yeah, yeah, out? like
1: just just the way you move. You mm-hmm. know, always being balanced, having your feet underneath you. Um, not stepping over your own toes you know and it 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 just is something you have to have to be an athlete in general and now when you're in there like we said the ring moves a little bit you really got to have your balance the ropes and running and you know i do a lot of sliding in sliding out and um, i pride myself on being very agile Mm -hmm. so um, that's just something that's really important to me but then the physicality portion you know you have to train your body like we said build calluses and you know, we're taking a lot of crashes and burns and eating the posts and, you know, landing on the floor. It's not a soft surface, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know that very well. And so you have to train your body to handle all the physicality of it. And then what changed for me was the, the way I worked out and my diet. Those were the two biggest changes. I went from trying to be as physically strong as possible um, and it didn't matter what I looked like to now being strong. And looking good, so you have to change, you know, I can't just try to bench 550 pounds. You have to really kind of learn how to lift to make yourself as aesthetically pleasing as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so all of that changed, and it took a lot of research, and the diet was the hardest part. You know, I was going from eating large pizzas four days a week and milkshakes and whatever I wanted because I had to be as big as possible. And now, you know, life is plain chicken and <laughs> vegetables and it's it's not fun. It's pretty boring, <laughs> isn't if it? If it tastes good, you can't eat it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Especially, you know, my wife is Spanish so they do a lot of amazing food and I have to just sit there and smell it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I just, uh,
2: I've been doing some dieting over the last few months and the, but the last couple months, you know, rock and roll, you get back on the rock and roll game and you, you still eat right but it's not wrestling eating right yeah. I got in the scale today day and like well I'm back on the diet so I had my four little eggs and my four strawberries and then that's it looking at the pancakes
1: looking at the peanut butter toast <laughs> everybody the kids else is enjoying yeah, it I'm
2: just sitting it's the worst ever what about yeah. mentally like when you'd come from football into wrestling was there a mental change you had to go through
1: um, it, to me it was an ego check a little bit walking in the door going from the being at the top of something to back mm. at the bottom so um, it was pretty crazy you know you have when you walked in FCW you had like I can't remember street team. We had to go paper towns. Oh. Because like, we were trying to get fans to our shows. You know, We had 18 people to Orlando Armory. It's, it's not what it is now. Like right. We started literally from the bottom. So going from the NFL where I was catered to, I had a massage therapist that was free, a chiropractor's free, hot, cold tubs, like they're, they're all the washing food your you want there. for. You. you don't do anything. Like You're literally catered to um, because you are the product in a sense. And now when you come back, it's starting over. You're trying to make it. So- walking through the streets of some little town stapling flyers to a post was an ego check for me. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going from like, I'm King of the world to, Oh no, I'm at the very bottom (laughs) and no one cares about me. You know, it's like, stapling. yeah. and, And you have guys, you know, we had guys like Roman Reigns there when I got there and Bray Wyatt. And you know, they're looking at a big guy coming in and, and, you're not exactly liked when you walk in, you know, day one, and and luck, you earn lucky, your... Yeah, you do. You gotta earn the respect, and lucky for me, my ego was big enough that I didn't care if anybody liked me.
2: But <laughs> but, but there I, is a time when you're kind of like, ooh, because geez, no one really likes me. That's not yeah, cool. Yeah, because you, you want to have friends, you know. You, yeah, you, well, you want the respect more. Than yeah, you want yeah. a guy
1: to go, okay, this guy really wants to be here. He right. wants to be a part of what we're doing because you know everybody goes through a lot of stuff that people don't see with WWE, from the traveling the hotels the planes the long hours you're there just waiting for meetings to be over and stuff like that the the hours you put in a lot of people don't see it so when you have the guys around you you want their respect and kind of that camaraderie of mm-hmm. of a of a group if you will but you know you're there to make money so at the end of the day when did you, you be... when did you finally start getting the respect or when did you start realizing that you wanted that um well i mean day one you want it but you want to act tough in the sense, a little bit. So, you know, you're kind of like, well, I don't care if you like it. But then you go out there and you start working with those guys. You know, I had one of my first matches with a guy, um, Xavier Woods. Yeah. Uh, and you're going, okay, man, he's good. He's at the top of this game. Like, okay, I want him to respect me. So, you, it, it's when, once that bell rings, that's where I feel like you really earn it. Like, you know, how do you perform with these guys uh, you know, are you doing your best to make them look good, and, and those kind of things? So I think that's where it's earned. And then they step back and they go, "Oh man, he's actually pretty good in there. He he moves well. You know, whatever it is." And I think that's where you slowly start to get it. And then mm-hmm. when you start putting the matches together, and they're, they're like, "Wow, that was a great match you had with him." And then I mean, it just kind of it builds itself, if you will. Like some guys come in and want to be best friends with everybody, and it doesn't you know, work either. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So it's it's a weird line you have to kind of find, and you have to kind of toe
0: both sides of it. jericho
1: who was your major trainer when you first started uh billy gunn billy and norman smiley they um really kind of grabbed onto me day one when i walked in i think billy came on board at fcw about a month after i'd gotten there and he just kind of clicked with me and and same with norman Norman really taught me the fundamentals and all those things and he's such a great guy yeah. i think he's he's the Everyone master tech. yeah i mean there's not not a person you can find in this world who'll say a <laughs> yeah, bad word about him that's true um but then, the, I mean, the whole process of going through NXT from Hunter being hands-on with you uh, at NXT. I mean, I had Taker was, uh, you know, give me input on entrances and just the way I move. And, you know, he's even yelled at me a few times like, why would you do that? Don't ever do that again. You never do that again when the Undertaker yells at you and <laughs> Is he just you watching? Because you never worked with Undertaker, did you? No, no. Um, at the Royal Rumble, I got my hands on him a little bit, yeah. But uh, then he eliminated me. That was uncool <laughs> of him. But <laughs> so was he just watching you? Yeah, he would come in. I think you know around Mania and start getting you know where he needed to be in the oh, ring and moving I around. See. So he'd watch us. So he's at the during- PC. Yeah, he'd be at the PC okay. and he would kind of just grab onto me a little bit, which was cool, but.
2: Because you're a big guy. Yeah. You never know, right? Yeah, he might exactly. want to work with you some at uh, some point. I mean right?
1: you can only hope that a guy like that will yeah. be like, Hey, you know, I wanna I wanna go with that kid. But if nothing else, he sees another big guy and
2: there's a certain way of working that like a like a small guy, I can't tell you how to work like a big guy because yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But he would know. So what type of
2: advice has he given you?
1: Well just that that, that that advice of, you know, make everybody earn everything, make everybody uh, treat you like you're a monster in a sense like don't give them anything so i think that's the biggest advice he's giving me is you know really protect yourself because if there's a guy you know, like Ray Mysterio out there, and he knocks you down the very first try. Yes. Like, how big are you really? Mm-hmm. So it's that process. And and Ray was one of the best at, at getting big guys down. So you know, he starts at the ankle and works his way up. Right. Like, you really got to make people earn it, and that's something he instilled in me. I mean, if you watch him, he's always got his hands up. He's always mm-hmm. on his guard, and nobody ever just gets anything from you. Got to
2: stay on under yeah. You, do. you have to stay on. You do. He will he'll sell. Just run
1: you over. He'll sell great, but you got to stay on him,
2: man. Yeah. That's the rule. Yeah. And if you if you work with him, everyone knows that.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's you know something he, like I said, really showed me. And then you have Baldo there, who's another big man, and mm-hmm. he really showed me some good stuff. And then Terry Taylor's kind of the finishing coach. He really teaches guys how to be a star, just from how you carry yourself when you're mm. walking through somewhere. It's a big thing that I carry myself. You know, Even if nobody knows who I am and I walk in a room, I want them all to go... Man, that guy does something. Right. So you know, how do you present yourself as a star? So you know, Terry, T- Terry Taylor is amazing. He's as old school as they come on yeah. philosophy. You know, he'll he'll yell at you all day. I remember when a suplex was a finish, like. <laughs> and you're like, well, Terry, it has evolved a little <laughs> yeah, that's bit, right, you know. Right. But he has some real golden golden uh, uh, points, you know, in his head that he can hand you, and he can really teach you how to be a star, how to how to take a moment and enjoy like a moment. I think Sean's up there now. Like they, I mean, they have all the tools for success, and it, and it worked for me. I mean, so mm-hmm. if, if you don't make it, I truly believe it's on you that you didn't take advantage of it. And well,
2: we said that before: you know, like if you go through the PC and you don't make it, you've been given every opportunity. Yeah, it, you just it just wasn't for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. What
1: I mean? and 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 it's not for everybody. Right. Just because I, you know, I tell people like, oh, well, you know, he's a nice guy, but my mailman's a nice guy. <laughs> it Doesn't mean he's a <laughs> WWE superstar. You know, it's just. It's not for everybody but they give you every opportunity so. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Who was your first match
1: against? I think it was exa- like well the first 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 match was Memo Montenegro. He's Del Rio's younger brother and he he okay. was there at FCW this and it was like a a tryout show for guys that come in and take the class with Norman before like they're not signed to WWE oh, contracts it's it. like guys who are trying to get into FCW. And it was on that show, and it was it was terrifying. My legs felt like 12,000 pounds. It's the first time I'd ever been in, like, little trunks in front of an audience. And you and played I, football in front of tens of thousands of yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a switch, though. Now I'm out there, you feel naked. I mean, now I wear pants, so it's, it's better for me because yeah. my legs are so tattooed. But, you know, you're out there in little trunks, and I remember there was one point in the match. He looked at me and goes, what are you doing? And I was like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I've been training for six weeks, man. Like, I have no clue what I'm doing. It was really funny. But then – um, I got to work with Xavier and uh, Tyler Breeze. They were a tag team, and uh, that was the first time I got chopped a couple of times too. And I was like, "Man, those are horrible!" Like, <laughs> there's no nothing fun about being slapped. But I mean, I was like, looked at my chest. It was like welted and bleeding, and I was like well hello i guess i'm welcome to to that part of it you know so i mean it was it was fun and exciting and when you're out there and you're getting hit you go yeah that that, that stings a little bit but it's awesome then you get back there like oh my chest is on fire like i'm sure they were just messing with me a little bit but mm-hmm. i mean i've done it to other people too the so big guy. yeah, <laughs> yeah. what did you get the name baron Corbin. you know i submitted a bunch of names and uh I have no idea one of them had Baron something and another one had something Corbin and they put them together and I was like, Hey, cool. Mm -hmm. Like it still fits that kind of dark vibe. When I came in, uh, I was trying to do like this just super dark character with essentially Rob zombie. And in this moment kind of combined, I like shredded clothes and I would cover them in baby powder. So when I'd move, it looked like they smoked. Like Mm -hmm. it was pretty wild. And that's cool. And it just fit the whole personality. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a process and, it was something they came up with, and
2: was it clothes that Chris from
1: in this moment made? Yeah, oh yeah, Chris, yeah. Chris and Travis both made them. So they, they, the the know that
2: the, the, the cool stuff that in this moment wears is, is actually made by Chris and Travis. The Chris yeah. guitar player, Travis guitar player, which yeah. is cool. So
1: they made your stuff. For yeah, them. they made my jackets, and they were helping me with my pants, and you know, uh, it, it kind of just helped me form that personality that grew into what it is today, and to kind of taken my own my own view on it. Yeah, we so. toured with with in this
2: moment in two thousand twelve. And I remember Maria telling me, yeah, my boyfriend's in the wrestling. And I
1: was yeah, like, oh, I think I met you like right after that at uh, the Royal Rumble in St. Louis. Oh, and that yeah. was right before my tryout. That's when they brought me out. Okay, and yeah, so- yeah. And then I think once at the Revolver Awards. Revolver Awards, because yeah.
2: you're a big metal guy.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because even
2: last year we, we, we were just in Download this year, but you were there last year. Didn't you do something with? Oh no, not. Uh, you might have been Download, but you did something with Corey Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that because like I had Corey was telling me about it from
1: his side. Yeah. Um. It was funny because Corey and I started you know throwing jabs. It was aftershock. In, aftershock in, in Sacramento, Sacramento. and. Uh, Corey and I were throwing jabs back. Who was going to steal the show, NXT or Slipknot? And uh, so I, you know, I was like, "Well, why don't you come over to the ring? Let's see how tough you really are." <laughs> and uh, before. You know, when we were out there, I was still poking jabs at him in the back. I was like, "Oh, you're not man enough to do anything. I'll get your wife out here; she'll do it for you." And <laughs> then during the match, I did. I I, I poked him a few times because he was in the front row. Yeah, I mean, we, and we all know Corey's got a temper on him, and, and he also he, loves wrestling. Yeah, he's loves he's wrestling. He's a huge fan, yeah. and so I think the excitement and his temper and me poking and making fun of him in front of everybody he cracked me right in the teeth pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so he slapped. Um, him, he punched. Yeah. It was like a half half. Like <laughs> I like to tease him; he's got little baby hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, yeah he's and, little uh, bad. So I don't know if it was a fist or a slap or what. I know it stung pretty good, but um, it was pretty awesome, and it was it was cool. And then they tore the house down that night. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen Slipknot countless Absolutely. times, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I just talked to Corey the other night. Um, I want to start getting some some new ideas to potentially help or change my entrance music just to evolve it and you know I was asking Corey for some pointers and he was throwing me some good stuff so I've stayed tight in that rock and roll world and you know I got the most metal athlete of the year Mm -hmm. award last year which was really cool to be there and be a part of and
2: um, you actually go there yeah I got to go
1: they sent me to New York and uh, I got to accept the award on stage and anthrax played like right after i got the award like i mean it's, and <laughs> it's it pretty looked, cool the coolest part was like you're going back there and stand next to him and um jonathan one of the guys from anthrax yeah. was like, oh, he's a huge fan. hey man i'm a huge fan i was like dude you're you're anthrax like <laughs> you know it's a surreal moment when you see those crossovers of of people who are a fan of what you do and you're a fan of what they do it's cool and rock and roll i think has a big a big mix but you know,
2: they, they're very similar. Yeah. You know, that, that there is a lot of guys in the business that love wrestling and vice versa.
1: But, and there's a mutual respect there. It is. I mean, they know the life of the road. They know, you know, how yeah. far away from you're from your family, your home and all those things and it's cool. And I got a lot of good friends like Shine Down. They all love to mm-hmm. to watch the shows. They came Aren't out. Weren't you hanging
2: we were... out with Zach somewhere? Yeah, Zach.
1: We were in Birmingham, the UK. They were out there with uh, Iron Maiden. Yeah. I think they were on tour. Yeah. And they had a day off, so they came to the show. A couple of them did. And Zach's been to a few shows. One time I went to their show, and all of a sudden Zach just left stage And in the middle of a song, I was like, "Where's he going?" And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he jumps over the rail and hits me with a championship belt. I don't know where he got it or how he got it and why he left the stage in the middle of the song. But you know, I mean, it it was pretty funny. So you're talking about having the mutual
2: respect uh, with with you know rock bands, et cetera, et cetera, and that's because now you you also have a, a, a bigger spotlight from being in in the WWE. You mentioned that you were in NXT for three and a half years. That as, was there a point where you were like, man, can I just get to the main roster already?
1: Yeah, it was funny, uh, you know, going back to the beginning a little bit. Like, when I got here, I was like, ah, this will be easy. I'll be out of here in a year. I'll be on the main roster. Now, why did you think it would be easy? I, I just, because I, I, my ego, back to mm-hmm. my ego, you know, I mean, I was always one of the best yeah. football players. I won the Golden Gloves in boxing. Like, That's right, you're a boxer, I was too, a yeah. tough kid, and uh, I was always very good at everything. It, it's it's just kind of except for tennis i can't play tennis to save my (laughs) life that's the only thing i can't do but you know i've always been a natural at at a lot of things and walking the door i was like i'm gonna be out of here in a year and i got a year in i was like man i don't know anything like i literally know nothing it it was crazy to Hmm. go a year and go man i've i've have so much to learn because every time i mean still to this day when i go out there you know my first money in the bank match first time with ladders uh, i mean you can't train for that you Mm -hmm. have to learn on the fly and and there's you're a whole different psychology learned, yeah. behind it. Yeah. And, and that was the biggest thing, too, is like learning the psychology of, of what to do, when to do it, timing. Timing is huge. You know, you can miss your moment. It's everything. And it will change the outcome of whatever it is you're trying to do. I think Cena is one of the best of, of timing. The guy knows the moments mm-hmm. for things and knows how to create those moments. And, you know, so getting to work with him a few times was awesome. But yeah, three and a half years in, I was very antsy i still know knew i had to learn a lot but i think it's like i don't know what the old saying is oh, fish is only as big as his bowl or whatever it is but you know being there i feel like i i soaked up as much as i could in nxt i felt like i was truly ready to move to the next level because i was going to grow and learn so much more getting to be in there you know with guys like yourself and cena and uh randy and those guys that are the best like that's where you learn now. That's the evolution of mm-hmm. of your career and 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 growing. So, three and a half years, I was I was beaten on the door to get out. I was ready to go. I was frustrated, and um, you know, Baldo and I were button heads a few times just because I was like, "Let me go!" Like, I want to be an adult and be free and <laughs> and do my thing. You know, And what and, would and, he say
2: that you made you, that made you guys butt heads?
1: Um, I we just did. It was just one of those things. Yeah. I think you know he. You're not ready. Yet. I mean, I had a little bit of an attitude. Mm-hmm. I, I've always had an attitude, and sometimes I would just not be the leader I should be or, or whatever it is, and and Baldo would have to check me a few times, mm-hmm. check my ego. That's and, a good coach. will do that. It's great. It's great. He's a great head coach because he keeps people in line there, and and it was good for me. Like There were a couple times where he'd have to check my ego, and it was good because it made me step back and go, okay... I got to chill out or that was too far or whatever it is. Like there's certain instances. I remember him yelling at me for wearing the wrong pants, getting on the bus. And it's such a little thing, but you know, you get that attitude of I'm above the system in a sense. And and it was actually in um, Sacramento. I think I wore under armor pants when I was supposed to be wearing tap out pants and like, I'm thinking, nah, no big deal. I can do what I want. Because Tapos the sponsor. Yeah, but it, was, it wasn't it was even that. It was just that that was the uniform that NXT gotcha. guys were supposed to wear okay. for traveling. And I said, oh, well, I'm above that. I'm going to wear the pants. And mm-hmm. when I got on, the bus was full of people. And I think I'm the big star. I just main evented with Finn at, at the show and got slapped by Corey Taylor. And Baldo's right there to go, mm, you're not that good yet. You know, <laughs> like he checked me in front of everybody. And it, it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have a coach who can separate friendship and being coaching because you know if i would see baldo out to dinner we could be friends and talk but you know in the building in nxt in that atmosphere he's the head coach and um you know you really will do
2: that they will you will get put in
1: your place very quickly yeah and it's good for you because it doesn't allow anybody's ego to get out of hand because we all have our egos we all are our own little rock star if you will you know and you have to go oh yeah, I work for this, That's you, know, right. you know what I'm That's saying? Right. Like, I really can't do this without them. So it's <laughs> it's good to get that check every once in a while.
2: We were in uh, San Francisco, you'll like this story, and I was in the ring, was in the main event, I'm the heel at the time was the suit and tie Jericho, the real asshole people. <laughs> yeah. Somebody threw a battery, a D battery, hit me in the back of the head. And I was like, I, I said, I remember Shawn Michaels says, well, you just lost your main event. So I said that, you just lost your main event. I walked out of the ring, walked to the back, and I'm like, I ain't going back out there F this F that I ain't going back out there I turn around Undertaker's standing there He goes Are you sure you ain't going back out there I said yeah He goes Are you really sure I'm like No (laughs) Maybe you should go back out there Okay, I'll go back out there, yeah. I'm going do the walk of shame back to the ring. But I'll never forget that. It's like, well, that put me in my place. You know,
1: yeah. no, I'm not doing it. Undertaker tells me to do it. I better go back to the ring and shut up. <laughs> I've heard good stories about him being a guy who, who definitely puts people in check. Yeah, i heard a, a good story of you know, him lighting some people up about being on their cell phones uh at the monitor, you know, mm. something like that. So I mean mm. it's good to have those those people who will do that.
2: Well and the thing is too in the roster now there's not a lot of guys that are there. I mean take comes and goes but it's not a lot more in the tank. Triple H doesn't wrestle too much. I mean there's really not like now that I'm not there, there's not a lot of guys that are at a higher level big show to yeah. tell you put your freaking cell phone down.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? And you need it. But you sure need you it like and and I would love to be that that prick that does that. I'm not mm-hmm. there at that level yet. Obviously, I I've got to be there for a few years before I can yell at people. But um, it's just good to have that. It keeps the history of respect. Respect. Like, I mean, it's just all those little things. Like even sometimes when I go in the PC and go to train, and I just see something, and someone doesn't come introduce themselves, and I'm like, mm, hmm, okay, I'll remember that dude. Like, no problem. Mm-hmm. And and it's just that's what you need. Like the wrestling has such an amazing history of respect. And and those guys kept it around, and
2: but sometimes too, like you have to be the guy to tell the tell that person, hey man, you got to introduce yourself when you come in because there's no manual. I'm sure, I'm sure even for you coming in from football, maybe you didn't introduce yourself to everybody because you, you never did that before.
1: Well, I think for me, I was you know being a pro uh, pro football player, it has its it locker room etiquette, it has its things like that, you know. And um, I was a salty football player, like it was crazy. You know, you're getting a fist fight on the field walk in the locker room, and it's hey, we're teammates. You know, have a good night, man. It's cool. you with, with your own yeah, guys? Yeah. Oh, man, I would fight with my own teammates all the time on the practice field. Well, just, why? I, I just was a salty prick, man. I mean, that's <laughs> how that I allowed? played the game. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because when I got to training camp uh, my first year there, uh, well, I'd been there like six six weeks prior to the next training camp. It was my first time trying to make the team in Arizona. And uh, there was a defensive lineman who pushed me in the back, and I turned around and I was like, you want to go, dude? Like, let's go. And he walked up, and I – punched him like four times like the third shot knocked his helmet off the next one knocked him out and I was like oh man I'm gonna get in trouble I just knocked out a teammate and Russ Grimm my line coach was like "Not a boy like hell yeah it was like it was crazy because it was just they love that salty attitude and um well
2: so they want that
1: yeah they just want that but you still know like the respect and the etiquette so when i heard i'd gotten a tryout with wwe when i had went to that training facility for a day and talked to johnny the bull i was like hey man what is the etiquette i need to know what do Mm -hmm. i need to know walking in the door you know give me those details so i can at least have that part of it i'm still going to be my arrogant prick self but i want to pay the respect that you know guys from the beginning have Mm -hmm. have put into this and that was the one thing he really put in there was Go in there, introduce yourself to everyone. It doesn't matter if they're the bottom or the top. Introduce yourself to everyone, shake everyone's hand. That was one thing that he gave me. So that stuck with me, you know, a guy who put in his time here as well. It's just, Mm -hmm. that's the history of it. You sure. got to pay respect to it,
2: but and also, it is okay to be a little bit of, of an. I always say be a little bit of an asshole. Steve Austin taught me that. It doesn't mean you're an asshole to people or being a jerk or you know tripping the the nerd in the in the cafeteria <laughs> so he falls down with yeah. the soup. But it means sometimes you got you got to believe in yourself and stand up for yourself. Even when others maybe don't. Oh,
1: definitely. I think that's part of success. We're not a team. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. we're not a team. We're individual superstars trying to be successful. Mm-hmm. And you have to be selfish and you have to have a little bit of an ego. And like you said, you got to be a little bit of an asshole. It's just, mm-hmm. That's just what it is. You have to um, because if you don't do it, you'll just get run over. Mm-hmm. No Other one will pay you. Yeah, that. every. I mean, the nicest guy in the world would not make it in this. They mm-hmm. just won't because you will get taken advantage of. You will get used. We've you'll seen get that there was a lot of right? nice guys. that yeah, did not make it as
2: far as they could have or should have for that
1: reason. Yeah, so you have to know when it's your moment and your things, and you have to protect them. And, and if you got to be. You know, rude about it or prick about it, it is what it Just is. Stand up for what you believe. Exactly. In. I mean, yeah. that, that's what it is. If, yeah. if you believe in it and if it's a sword you're willing to die on, you have to.
2: That's true. Yeah. Vince taught me that. If it's pick the mountain you want to die on, and if you pick the one you want to die on, you better be ready to die on. Yeah, it.
1: exactly. You know, and and he preaches all the time, you know, like grab the, grab the brass ring. Like, you're not going to make a bunch of friends when you're trying to be the best, mm-hmm. when you're the top guy. You know, they don't, others don't want to watch you. It's funny. Um, who told me this? Arn told me the other day. He's like, you know, it's funny because. If you live next door to a guy and you buy a brand new honda civic your neighbor's gonna be like dude good job man you really earned that car <laughs> but if you come home driving a bentley he's gonna be like who is this dude like he probably stole it he's selling yeah, drugs like something you like, that. like that like everybody wants you to do good but not really right. good and so like that's where it is you're gonna rub people the wrong way if you want to be the best i've rubbed plenty of people the wrong way mm-hmm. but what i'm doing is what i believe is right and i think you know walking away with money in the briefcase is an attribute to that it's an attribute to protecting myself and fighting my battles and Mm. and, you know trying to be
0: successful trying to be the best the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho.
2: Quickly get about, about NXT, and I'd like to ask people, because I never got the
1: chance to really work with them, uh, what was the influence of Dusty Rhodes on you? Astronomical. Hmm. I mean the guy's personality is infectious. The stories he tells, like that's what wrestling is. It's storytelling. And Dusty can sit there and he can tell you the most insane story about stealing railroad ties and blowing up a train <laughs> and all these things. And you're going, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's not. But he believes it so much that I want to really picture yes. the dream laying on the side of a hill mm-hmm. with dynamite on the train tracks. Like <laughs> like you really envision yeah. it as he's telling you the story. And for me, that transition has always been the hardest like in football you have a helmet on you you hide your emotions if I didn't interview I'm telling you how I feel I don't care if you like it or not because you want to interview me I'm not out there saying hey come come talk to me you know what I'm saying so it's like always off the cuff but now having to grab a microphone and you know convey something to the audience whether you know you have it kind of in your head what you want to say and then you're saying it but I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Cause it's hard to do. It's something I never realized was as hard as it is Did Just you to do a promo, like to get up there in front of people. And if I have to tell them a nursery rhyme to make them believe that that's real, like that's hard to do. You know, I can stand up there and tell you I'm better than you and all those things and my ego, because those are true feelings. But now when I get in, I have to start to tell a story or explain something, or even if it's not my words, like it's really, really tough to do. And so the, Dusty was like a huge part of that of getting me to really feel what I'm saying and be in the moment with what I'm saying. And
2: we have a tradition here on Togs Jericho, you have to do a Dusty imitation.
1: <laughs> I mean, my favorite was when Dusty he tells about getting pulled over, coming down the highway, and a guy didn't know who he was, and he says, What? You don't know who I am. Well, you go tell your grandmama that you didn't know who Dusty Rose was and you ain't never coming home for Thanksgiving dinner again. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> i mean that was one of my favorite stories by him he, he said that's he got great. pulled over coming from orlando to tampa and the police officer didn't know who he was, and so he told him to go tell his grandma Ma that he didn't know who the American dream was. <laughs> that's and, great. Uh, it's so good. So- well, we talked about
2: that, I remember, though, when you first came in, you did some promos and said, like, Can you watch this? And I remember saying that it's a little bit wooden. Yes. You can tell that you're reciting lines. Yes. And that's the hard part at first until
1: you can really figure out who is Baron Corbin? What's my character? How am I going to deliver this? Yes. Right? I mean, it, it's such a process. And. You know, going to NXT, I had a little bit of freedom there towards the end. I thought my promos were getting really good and they were strong. And then coming to WWE, it's a whole nother level. You know, you have a whole nother people to teach who you are. Mm-hmm. And of course, coming in the door, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers on uh, what I was saying. So I didn't want to tailor anything so much. So it even felt wooden then. It felt like, ah, oh, man, he's just saying what he's supposed to say. Exactly. And then they're like, hey, we're going to put you on Talking Smack tonight. Okay. They're like, well, I'll just do you. And then they're like, Holy shit like see that's yeah that's good stuff man like where is that coming from we got to get that here and it's just different like mm-hmm. you say hey go say what you want to say i'll rip it out all day mm-hmm. and going out there and having to to say that but now you know after t- talking to Vince and stuff he's like all right just give him bullet points and where he needs to hit his mark and they're giving me more freedom and I'm getting more freedom. And I that's think cool. that's going to be the biggest thing for me and to help me. You know, if they want me to go out there and battle with you on the microphone, I know I got my hands full. But if they say, hey, go out there and just have some fun with him. Like, say what you want to say, do you? I'm going to be a lot better off than if they're giving but, me. And
2: that's the thing, too. Though. And when, when you're a pro, like when you get to that point, like you said, battle off me, I wouldn't know how to do it to where you – could do that yes you know what i mean that's just part of the confidence of learning who you are yeah and once you get to that point once again you're four and a half years in the business it takes years but when you get to that point there's no situation that you can't go and just kill it i don't care what it is match promo whatever gimmick dumbest idea ever whatever you got let me do it yeah but that takes time
1: it does i mean and and it's you know why we're at the top level that's why we do they see that ability in us they see hey eight years from here you know what can we do with him can we change can we make him funny can we do whatever and they can go yeah oh yeah he can do it all like i mean that's the goal sure the goal is. is to be able to do everything and i know uh you know back to the saying it's not a race it's a marathon it's it's that's right for me to get better every single time i go out there you know I get michael hayes is helping me a little bit here and there with promos and you know he's amazing at what he does and and you know, he likes to tell me I'm horrible all the time. <laughs> but, that's part of his thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's a good thing because it makes you want to be better. It yeah, makes you sure. want to go come back and he'll go, man, that was a good promo or that was great. And go, yeah, I told you I'm the best and walk away. Like <laughs> I want to get it back on him. So yeah. it's good and motivating. What type of uh, advice or, or conversations have you had with Vince? Uh, he He's an intimidating person in a sense. So I think, yeah. you know, you you walk in there and I, I want to – Emote confidence to him anytime I'm around him, and and I think we've developed a little bit of a rapport. Maybe that's Vince right there. Yeah. Hey. Hey. hey he, I love he, he Hear me talking about him. <laughs> you continue but, though. Developed a little bit of rapport. Yeah. Um, so we can kind of we're on that level where I can straight shoot him if I walk in there and go, man, this is terrible. Like, let's do this. This is better, and he'll go, oh no, that's terrible. We're doing it this way. Like, we can kind of tug a war with a little bit each other. So, um, it's good. But he's put a vote of confidence in me and he's you know pulled me into his office a couple times and been like you know this 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 needs to get better you're doing great this you're not as good as you think you are like he's a good guy to check your ego mm-hmm. and and you know i had that talk a while back where you know, he pulled in there. He's like, "Hey, I I think you're really reaching for for that brass ring. I think you can be something special, but you're not as good as you think you are." <laughs> so then you step back and go look at yourself in the mirror and go, "Okay, like how can I get better?" Right. And you know, is that a challenge or whatever it is? So I think that's why he is who he is. He challenges people. Mm-hmm. I think the the best. He to... mentally challenges you. Yes, yeah. he really does, and he wants to see what you're going to do in certain situations, certain um, pressure cookers, Agreed. if you will. Like he's going to test you and and go, "Okay, let's see where his attitude's at." Like, let's see can he handle this spotlight can he handle being the money in the bank champion like they're all tests to to get to become a ww champion or you know the top guy for wwe and be sent to good morning america to have a a morning talk show like all everything you do and he puts you in those situations to see if you can do that that's and all think, just as important to you yeah and um he's also so funny the other day he got me good i was just standing by gorilla and um looking at myself in the mirror or something and he body checked me and i about went into the mirror and i turned around (laughs) ready to swing at somebody i was like who just shoved me and it was vince and he's just belly laughing (laughs) like but i can't go do anything Like, what am i gonna do (laughs) vince just shoved me or you know he'll sneak up behind you and smack you across the back really hard like it startles you and you're instantly angry and you're like oh if i could if you weren't vince mcmahon like so I think we've he's got just a, a big good,
2: college dormitory student. Yes, dick and fart jokes and smacking you in the back <laughs> yeah. and
1: all that yeah. sort of stuff. And that's when you got to do it back to him. Then he'll just you'll be his favorite. Guy. Yeah, it was so funny because then later he stopped and was texting on his phone or whatever, and I just snuck up behind him and whispered, and "He's like, I could have got you back right there." And he just belly laughed. <laughs> but like, yeah, you got to give it back to him. A sure, little sure. Bit.
2: And I love that line because I got it too. You're not as good as you think you are. And he said the exact same words to me. And I think. As a professional, I don't care what you're in, music, wrestling, football, when your coach or your boss says that to you, it stings. You're not as good as you think you are. Like, oh, my God. Like, that's the worst thing you can
1: say to someone, but also one of the most motivational. Yeah, it is. It's like the whole I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. Like, like those are the things. It's not like you went out there and you did a terrible job. That's not going to really motivate you. But when someone literally takes that shot at you and goes, man, you're just not as good as you think you are. I know you can do better. Oh, it's crushing. It is crushing. But then you walk away and you go, all right. I'm stepping it up to the next level. Mm-hmm. Like it's good. Like you said, it you got said to you, and it motivates you, sure and it, it does. just makes you hungry. And it, it
2: becomes a test. It, it's crazy. So let's say when you finally do get called up to the WWE, tell me about that when you're in NXT, and then of course your first match ever is at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was crazy, and it was it was really funny. It's the moment I'll never forget because uh, we had done Takeover in in Brooklyn. In, uh, or not Brooklyn in Dallas, Dallas and yeah. um, you know I, I thought I had a decent match that night it wasn't my favorite were you match with? Uh, Austin Aries Okay. Um, it, it wasn't my favorite body of work and um, I was kind of just frustrated if you will because uh, it's one of those things like man that could have been so much better and uh, Hunter pulled me in the back room and I was like oh no like he thinks the same thing and uh, he never breaks typing on his cell phone to tell me this but he's like Typing on his phone, and he just kind of looks up. He goes, Hey, uh, tomorrow you're going to be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And I was like, What? And he goes, And you're called up to the main roster and just walked out. (laughs) I was like, What the hell? Like, how are you going to just tell me that in the middle of a text message and then walk out in the other room? Like, It was such a crazy rush of emotion to know like all that hard work has paid off. I'm I'm up like and I have no idea what I'm doing the next day. I have no idea what's happening in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I don't know where I'm gonna be Monday night raw the night after. But you don't think about it, you're like, I'm free, like (laughs) Yes, like finally I'm out of the door. I don't have to scan a key card to get in the building anymore. (laughs) And it's so funny because like uh, and then you just walk out and he's like hey everybody uh Corbin's going to be in the Andre the Giant and he's up tomorrow and like the, everybody's like all your peers are kind of clapping like it's a very surreal moment. So they're happy yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely happy because every time someone gets called up to the main roster from NXT it gives everybody at NXT a little bit of ah I want to be next. Like it's good motivation. Yeah, yeah, it is. People get out of here, people go up. Like it's really cool to see every time. And then you get guys like you know that are just coming in like uh Tino Sabatelli is there right now and he played for the Bucks for like 6 years but he's a football player so we kind of connected and when I got called up he's like man like that was so cool I want to get that moment like so it is it really motivates people mm-hmm. to see and then you know WrestleMania I mean come on dude like biggest crowd out 101,000 people mm-hmm. like now I got to walk out this curtain with 20 other guys and do the the Andre the Giant and it was funny cuz that that ramp was it was a mile. It felt oh, yeah. like a mile long. Yeah. I mean, you had what? You had AJ that year, right? Is that yeah. the year you were with AJ? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that <laughs> that fair. ramp was insane. And so I'm walking down it, and it's just a sea of people. I've never been in that many. I mean, mm-hmm. in front of that many people. I've played in front of seventy thousand people, but now it's a hundred thousand people looking at just you. Like there's a it's a difference than being on a football field with twenty two other guys. And I'm walking down there, and uh, Curtis Axel was like, "Dude, soak in the moment." Like he said that to me on the way down, and I was like. I'm gonna either throw up or start crying, like one of the two, because it's so surreal, like it's it's insane. And then, you know, being in the ring looks so tiny. It's so funny when you're in the ring; it looks huge. But when you're looking at it, walking down a ramp like that, uh, even the shit, man, the 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 ring is so small. And it in that stadium, yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. And uh, I mean, that was to win that thing by throwing out Kane mm-hmm. like what a what a culmination of hard work to get to the main roster mm-hmm. and then it all starts over the next morning so and you once know that-
2: again what a vote of confidence your first match you're winning but then like you said we don't get our Super Bowl and then get three months off we're no. right back at work yeah. the next Mon- day
1: Monday morning I'm I'm showing up to Raw, you know wondering what do I got to do and um I'm starting over it's a whole, I mean, once again, yeah, it's, it's, I'm at the very bottom. And how do I get to the top? Cause you know, you, NXT's audience is very different than WWE's audience. It's all wrestling fans. But if you go to, you know, a takeover the night before a WWE event, the, the crowds are very different. I, th- I think that, you know, it's just In a different, way? I attribute NXT fans, um, to like punk rock or small rock and roll shows. Like you have your yeah. bands that play arenas and then you have your bands that are playing clubs and it's those club fans are die hard fans. Like it's like metal fans almost. Like they hate everything else that's not their type of metal. Mm-hmm. I'm a black metal fan, so metal core is the worst. Like yeah. NXT fans are very, very much like that. Like they love NXT. That is their guys and um, they're very passionate about it. And then you have the WWE audience who love WWE. It's a, you know, now you have more kids. I think NXT is not so many kids. But it's also two a million times bigger. It is right. so much bigger. You know, I like to say that uh, I like to bash people on Twitter all the time. Twitter fans are those NXT fans that are, you're not an NXT guy or you're not an indie guy, so I hate you. Mm-hmm. To where WWE is millions and millions and millions and millions of people, families, kids, people all over the world the audience i mean that is five percent of wrestling fans that twitter world the nxt world that's five percent and i mean it's a big five percent because we're talking millions and millions and millions of people but they're just different their reactions are different to different things in matches you know if i did something in nxt that got a reaction every time people in wwe may hate it Mm -hmm. like it's just different i mean it's crazy and but it's great, though, because it makes you find yourself all over again. It makes you go back to the bottom and go, all right, who is Baron Corbin? What do I do? What do I want people to understand? So mm-hmm. it's a cool reset. Like, nobody knows who you are, and I'm still trying to do that. I still show up in towns uh, where they're like, ah, we're not really sure who he is. We see him on TV, but... That's the truth, though. Yeah, you have to start over, and you, and every night you have to go out there like nobody knows who you are, I think.
2: Did you get anything from the Andre Giant Bellroy, like a
1: certificate or a... Tro- replica trophy cool or- picture I, mean, I got like a plaque with me standing next to it oh, which cool. is pretty cool with a piece yeah. of canvas but Cesaro was telling me that he got the old plaque when they did the new plaque but I think because it's a new trophy they don't pull the plaque oh, okay. off so I was kind of bummed out I didn't get that but I, I'm telling you after I cash this briefcase and I'm keeping it like I'm getting it back like <laughs> or
2: at least go buy one from the merch stand. <laughs> yeah, and just stay. that's right yeah. I did. got a bunch it, of replicas in your house it might not have all the dents in it <laughs> yeah that's right let's uh just a couple last questions I mean you had uh Great time in NXT. What's your favorite match that you ever had in NXT? Is um, one that stands out? Or your favorite match total? Is the one WWE I, well, or NXT? No, my,
1: my favorite match in NXT was definitely with Smojo. Hmm. Um, that was my first big match. Um, that was in Brooklyn with 16, 17,000 people. Uh, that's the one Taker yelled at me for. Um, it was just kind of my first step onto a main level of NXT. It was that first big moment for me. And so. And working with a guy who was like Samojo, I mean, he's a big cat, yeah. and he is physical, it's and yeah. he's you know hard headed, and so that was cool because it was a cool test. But then you know I really loved the match. I thought the match was great, and uh, you know walking back thinking I'm the man, and Taker grabs you and goes, "Why did you just stand there after you did that?" You're like. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was a good idea. No, it was not. Like so, like I, it was cool to just have all those emotions. All the emotions. And yeah, but and it was the biggest crowd I'd wrestled in front of to mm-hmm. that day. Um, so that was that was something really cool. And then you know up here so far, I mean obviously money, money in the bank yeah, is sure. huge. Like that's just a huge moment for me. And mania was another huge moment. But like just match wise, like I thought the TLC match with. Callisto was awesome i thought we I told a hell of a match a man. really cool story and i thought that we made it different and we didn't just hit each other with chairs for 45 minutes like i really take a lot of pride in that match and i thought it was really cool because it was just the two of us like in there together and uh i thought it was something special especially with such different styles you know like uh, he's tiny luchador and i'm big and violent like it was a cool contrast and I thought we made something special but I've been a part of a lot of cool matches Elimination Chamber was awesome mm-hmm. you know and the Rumble was awesome because Taker was in that match Lesnar was in that match Goldberg was in that match you were in that mm-hmm. match punching me telling me I was a terrible neighbor like, <laughs> like <laughs> about you, that. you know yeah you were hitting me and you're like I don't like you and I was like but I'm your neighbor you're a terrible yeah man. so I mean those are all cool moments that you'll never forget sure. and, and I look forward to like like what's next like what's the next time that I can be laying flat on my back in the middle of the ring, and another guy's flat on his back because we've just you know beat the shit out of each other, and the people are just rumbling for what they're going to see next. Like it's addicting, mm-hmm. and so all those moments, those matches, those are all just you know cool things i always remember.
2: The yeah, uh, the the TLC with Kalisa, That's the first match I saw yours. So I was like, he's getting it. This is good. Like you've had some stuff before that, like, but that was the one where I was like, I was actually really proud of you guys because Galisto too, he didn't get a lot of spotlight for a while. Yeah, it was a real good moment of like these guys really went out there. You might have even had the best match in the show, from what I remember. That, that's what remember. we've heard a few times. And I think I was even on the show so for me to say <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: Last question: Who's your favorite band of all time? Oh man, that's such a brutal question, and you know a lot of radio stations ask me that, and I I can never pick one because i love music so much that it just depends on the mood Mm -hmm. like if i'm in the gym do i want lamb of god hate breed you know something heavy in my ears or do i want something like Apocalyptica or ghost or zeal and Ardor? i mean like i can just shuffle through bands or you know i got a 64 lincoln continental and if i'm in that car like i'm listening to like blues uh, like old bluegrass folk music like I can't pick one band because depending on the vibe. Yeah. yeah, five minutes later it'll be a different band. You know, I'm excited for like new albums. Coming. Nothing more is dropping a new album. I think. Uh, have you seen them live before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we them. They're unreal bands? live. Yeah, they're That's so cool. cool. Yeah. And so it's just uh, constantly just trying to find new music. I just found a band and I don't really know the name of them yet. They're a super metal band from Chile, mm. and they're amazing. Like, and I speak a little Spanish because my wife is Spanish, but. Like, I have no idea what they're saying, but it's just awesome music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, I can't pick one, like, iconic, all time favorite band. I mean, there's, because when you're a kid, you know, my dad's listening to, like, Skid Row and Meatloaf. I remember, like, my grandpa had, like, Meatloaf A Tracks. Like, yeah. like yeah. it's crazy, like, how good that stuff is. And yeah. then, you know, you get in, like, Manson and Zombie and Slipknot. Like, the, there's just so many good bands, and I can't, I can't pick one. Or, I mean, I put on classical stuff in the house sometimes when I'm cooking and uh, like Andre Borcelli like it's music music is my favorite thing ever it's yeah. you can't beat it
2: yeah I understand you hear that from me, I huh? mean, could you
1: pick one do
2: you have one
1: I, I probably could pick one but depending on the date I would have a top 10 you know what I mean yeah but, that's yeah. that's where I'm at like I have like a top 10 of go-tos there you know. yeah well, that's it, dude. We'll have to uh, have a, a cook-off and listen to Borcelli together yeah. since uh,
2: you're not such a bad neighbor after all. Yeah, yeah.
1: come on over. I got the green egg and the grill, and I'll, I'll smoke some some ribs for a few hours. There you go, man. Thanks, dude. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Baron
2: Corbin, my neighbor from just down the street. Congratulations again to him winning the Money in the Bank, the, uh, the match that I created, as we talked about. And speaking of money, you may want to save up a few bucks of your own for the latest service available
0: from Team Tiger Awesome. Backed into a paradigm? Are you so inside the box that a synergistic workflow needs to be re-outsourced to push profits? Looking for a fresh approach to a new medium postpartum download situation? Will it crush it? We can help. We're a neo-lexicon with a forward-focused business outreach. We've single-handedly split-shift upper management with a down-tempo trip-hop multi-scape approach to deck-based advertising. Don't get caught in the dark ages while your competitors are doing multi-platform, cross-based, low-level audience analysis you wouldn't initialize a second echelon stream without downscaling profit expectations, would you? To find out more about how Crush It! can help you and your business, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network at Podcast One. And when you think of an nth-level digital multiplat with eco-restitution and analog diatribe, think Crush It!
2: Team Tiger, awesome as you covered uh, in laughs, smothered in laughs, and products you'll never need or use or even exist in this lifetime. Every Sunday on the Jericho Network on Podcast One, go subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five star rating and review. Go check out all the great shows in the Jericho Network. Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon, he's talking a great white this week. Uh, Gene Simmons last week, lots of great uh, uh, interviews from him. Killing the town with Storm and Cyrus. New episodes every Tuesday. Raven Effect, one of my favorite shows. Uh, you need to check it out. New episodes every Monday. The Raven Effect a flagship show. Keep it at 100 with Kona. We love that show, of course. It's the uh, cornerstone to the network. And five days a week scaring the crap out of you. Beyond the Darkness. All Things Paranormal. Monday through Friday. And if you haven't subscribed to the latest podcast from Beyond the Darkness, get to Patreon.com and sign up for True Crime Tuesdays. This podcast is completely ad-free. No commercials at all. And it's just five bucks a month. You get new episodes every Tuesday. That's Patreon.com. And remember, there's still a few tickets left for my upcoming words of Jericho show in my hometown of Winnipeg with special guests Lance Storm and Cyrus that's August 25th at the club Regent event center tickets available at Ticketmaster and hey let me give one last shout out to all the great talk is Jericho sponsors you can find that podcast one.com just click on the killer deals button at the top uh, corner of the page then hit the talk is Jericho button thanks again to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho get 20% off the DDP yoga app and all DDPY related merch. sacks Go to saxunderwear.com slash Jericho. 20% off your first order. And don't forget the extra most bestest pizza at Little Caesars. That sounds a scrumptious. Show. Also talking about Alone on History. Also talking about the fine, fine folks uh, at True Car. So many great sponsors. Go check all of them out to keep us doing this for free for you for twice a week. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and Friday in honor of... Of uh, Canada Day. It is the uh, Canadian Rock Show crew Todd Kearns, uh, Brent Fitz from Slash and the Conspirators, and of course Solo Cup Jeff. And our special guest Brian Slagle will be here to talk about the Canadian Television Inquisition. It's all Canadian TV shows, and man, there are some wacky ones. If you like the Canadian Rock Show, talking about all the Canadian rock bands, Wait to hear uh, the Canadian television Inquisition coming up Friday. You're going to love it. Lots of fun. Great chemistry between the brothers. Uh, so go check that out. Thank you again. Be safe. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah boy.
0: Listen to new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.com.